Hello, and welcome to CAA Conversations. Today, I'm with Parmi Gentini and Mary Frances Zawadzki, and we are talking about effective pedagogy for online art history courses. Although many art historians successfully transitioned their courses to remote emergency learning in the spring due to the COVID-19 pandemic, those teaching online this fall have more time to plan and engage with best practices for online course design. Parmi and Mary Frances are here to lend their deep expertise in this area. Parmi Gentini has a PhD from UCLA. Her initial focus on 18th century through modern domestic ideology has broadened to include fashion and design history. After 20 years at Otis College of Art and Design, where she was the Director of Art History and Assistant Chair of Liberal Arts and Sciences, she moved to North Carolina four years ago and has continued to teach in both asynchronous and synchronous models. She has a strong focus on pedagogy and has been a contributing editor to arthistoryteachingresources.org for the past seven years. Mary Frances Zawadzki holds a PhD from the Graduate Center City University of New York in 19th century American art history and visual culture. Her scholarship focuses on non-institutional methods of art and aesthetic education, specifically within the domestic interior and in the popular press. She is currently an adjunct assistant professor at New York City College of Technology and was an instructional assistant professor at Texas A&M University, where she taught large asynchronous online courses. She is a contributing editor to arthistoryteachingresources.org and is the secretary and coordinator of social media for the Association of Historians of 19th Century Art. Thank you for joining us today, Parmi and Mary Frances. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, everyone. We know that there's a lot of information out there, almost an information overload. We're here to provide some clear, useful, and practical pedagogical information that faculty can implement immediately. Universities and accreditation bodies are going to expect business as usual and will hold faculty and departments to accreditation standards. Universities have made it clear that fall 2020 will not be in emergency mode and will expect students and faculty to resume quality standards. And as you know, there has been enough time to prepare for remote instruction. Our suggestions are for synchronous classes that meet in real time through teleconferencing software like Zoom, for asynchronous classes that are self-paced without live meetings, and for hybrid classes, which can combine elements of both and include face-to-face -face components. For example, office hours are sometimes required. All online courses, whether synchronous, asynchronous, or hybrid, have certain concerns, methods, and pedagogy in common, which we're gonna briefly discuss right now. Online pedagogy is a new toolbox for a lot of faculty, so you really need to prepare now. Online pedagogy will extend into your brick and mortar classrooms as well, making you a better instructor. One of the biggest things that we can recommend and most important things we can recommend is that you work with your university's instructional designer. And you need to make sure that your courses are ADA compliant. Know your LMS and what's available to you, especially space limits. Many schools like mine, CUNY, set specific space limits for each course. 
know these limits, and be creative when delivering content. Also, lots of LMS or learning management systems allow you to make comments in text or audio or video on student work, and this is really great to create that community connection. It might be really useful to find out what works best for your students. This may be easier in small courses, but it's something to keep in mind. Also, customize your course to your specific student population and the online format that you're going to use. Be mindful of your students' technological limitations and reality. For example, students in private universities may have more uh, technology and more uh, bandwidth and Wi-Fi available to them than say someone who's connecting to their cell phone in the middle of their job as an essential worker in a CUNY school. Online courses address inclusivity well. Students have the time to read and, I, and they have time to digest your lecture material rather than hearing it live. They can review it. They have time to think about questions and responses. And lots of students are much more comfortable posting questions and responses on discussion boards rather than in the live classroom. Your syllabus is the guide. Your syllabus is one of the most important doctrines of your classroom, either online or in person. Make sure your learning objectives align with your assignments, tasks, and assessments. Your SLOs, your department SLOs, and your university SLOs. So make sure everything is written clearly and in more than one place, and make sure that information can be found easily, usually within three clicks. If your instructions are way too long, take a big old deep breath and edit, edit, edit. And absolutely have a plan. Don't go in there and just talk. Avoid talking with or without notes for the entire class time. You have to have a plan and you have to stick to it. And most importantly, have rubrics for everything. Every assignment, every exam should have rubrics. There's more prep time to it, but it becomes faster to grade from then on and students can identify where they're competent and where they need help. And it gives them a roadmap of what to expect. They always ask you, what do you want, professor? And this is what you want in written format. And take advantage of those templates that your LMS has for assignments, especially activities that you might have done in class, like quizzes. You might want to turn your class quiz into a homework quiz instead. If you select a multiple choice format, these are auto-graded. Short answers take a little more time to grade, but if your students are taking essay or short question exams, it's important that they practice how to do it. They are also learning alongside of you. If you are accustomed to a midterm exam paper approach for grading, you should design other gradable activities that you can assign weekly. Online learning always incorporates weekly assignments that consistently help students retrieve information, connect information, and practice what you want them to be able to do by the end of the course. Make quick, short video or audio messages, as well as course announcements, 
to make students feel more connected. Remember, your students were accustomed to seeing you on a regular basis. Plus, video and audio messages are a welcome change from all the information being text-based. Go through all the technology and assignments with your class. Don't expect them to know intuitively how to use different platforms. Consider making a video to explain. This is really important for the first few weeks when students are posting all their work electronically. It also cuts down on the how do I post student emails. Check on your students and how they are doing, what challenges they are facing. This can be anything from an open question in a synchronous Zoom class or an anonymous poll. It can also be an open discussion board. Post quick short videos. You can make them on your phone and they don't have to be professional. And say the kinds of things you would in a face-to-face -face class. These are usually encouragements, something interesting you heard or thought would interest them. Most of us start out a class like that. You can do that online as well. Keep student services and advisors in the loop. They need to be involved in student success initiatives and can be a world of help when students disappear from a class. Work with your school's librarians. They are interested in helping students navigate research assignments and most of them are technologically savvy. They already do this kind of stuff and might have something great already planned. ArtHistoryTeachingResources.org and the Art History Teaching Resources Facebook group have many resources to help you. If you have the time, another great source and a quick read is Small Teaching Online by Flower Darby and James Lang. Synchronous versus asynchronous. Faculty can often choose what flavor of online format they will use in their semester. Sometimes the format is dictated by the university or their departments. So we're going to chart out the advantages and challenges associated with each, starting off with asynchronous learning. Now, asynchronous courses do not happen in real time. All of the course content is created, curated and designed by an instructor before the first day of class. Everything is quote live and ready to go the moment students log in. Asynchronous classes allow students to work through the material at their own pace and at times convenient for them. Therefore, they're really good for large classes in public universities. Community colleges and city universities where students work multiple jobs, or full-time jobs and might have family responsibilities. Universities with a large number of active duty military personnel and universities with a robust international student body or internship program. A well-designed asynchronous class that is 508 compliant and adheres to universal design standards is particularly beneficial to students with a wide array of disabilities because the courses are available from home and they're self-paced. Asynchronous courses only require an internet connection and a device that can interact with the LMS and play multimedia. For military personnel who are stationed in sensitive active areas, 
a VPN is essential for their own safety. So what are the challenges of an asynchronous course? Like all online courses, asynchronous courses require faculty to design and build course content before the start of the semester. They take a lot of time to plan. Course content should not solely consist of long voiced over PowerPoint lectures. I cannot make that clear enough. Do not record a one hour PowerPoint lecture. No one is going to listen to it. Videos need to be short and concise, ranging between 15 to 20 minutes. Breaking videos into small chunks will not only keep your students' attention, but it's easier for students to work through the course at their own pace, starting and stopping whenever they need to. Think about curating information from different sources like museums, conferences, PBS, and historic sites. Not only does it give your students different perspectives, it also breaks up the monotony of lecture videos and text. The biggest challenge of an asynchronous course is keeping students actively engaged and participating in the coursework. An asynchronous course can feel disconnected from the university and classroom communities. These challenges can be overcome with tasks and assignments that encourage group activities, discussion, and even games. For example, Blackboard allows instructors to break a large classroom into small groups. A group of seven to 10 students who work together acts and feels like a small learning community and should be treated as such. Discussions are much more intimate and manageable and students get to know each other in smaller groups. Small groups become their own classroom and your voice within that small classroom has a greater impact. And this brings me to my next point. As an instructor, it is essential that you are constantly present within the course. Besides feedback on assignments, your voice, either written or spoken, on the discussion boards and within the groups is essential because it shows the students that you're there, keeping track of who participates and participating with a level of guidance and instruction that is often associated with face-to-face -face classes. Keep office hours or be available for appointments at really odd times. Your international students and those who are active military personnel will benefit from a flexible meeting schedule. A Blackboard Collaborate Zoom or phone meeting maintains a personal connection with your students. But a word of advice, um, certain students either cannot or will not be able to meet with you for whatever reason, except that emails might be the only form of communication. Students can easily forget to do assignments, as they do in real life, and will put off work because they aren't required to meet at certain class times. As the old saying goes, out of sight, out of mind. I send out reminders via Blackboard announcements every single Monday morning. I list what's due that week, what's coming up the following week, and helpful advice for the completion of their assignments. I keep my tone friendly and approachable. And most importantly, asynchronous courses depend on consistency and reliability. Too many changes to the syllabus, due dates, and course information will only confuse and frustrate your students. All information should be available in at least two places. For example, 
the syllabus needs to be in an ADA accessible format so that it can be read by a document or screen reader for students who rely on this kind of technology. The syllabus and cross information should also appear in the start here or course information section of your course. This section isn't just the uploaded Word document, but is rather a design section of your course. It's where you put the elements of the course, including exams and assignments. This all needs to be located under a consistent tab. Finally, all exams and assignments should be designed, uploaded, and activated on the very first day of class. They don't need to be available just yet, but they should appear in your course's gradebook. And the gradebook is most important. It needs to re represent the percentages and breakdown for your course's grading schema. Blackboard's gradebook can be a little clunky, so make sure you consult your instructional design guru. Students are always grateful that they can follow their grades throughout the class. I'm going to switch now and talk about synchronous classes. Advantage-wise, synchronous classes are the closest thing to face-to-face -to -face teaching because you are with your students in real time. You can see them and hear them. They can see and hear you and each other. You can work with them. That generally means using teleconferencing software like Zoom. Last semester, Zoom was new to many faculty and students, but it's not now, and that's an advantage. Synchronous classes are very appealing to many private colleges and art and design colleges in particular, where class size tends to be smaller and a high degree of faculty interaction is expected. You can facilitate live discussions, design in-class activities, host student presentations, even give exams in real time. Technology is your friend here. Everything Mary Frances said about dates, clarity, consistency, and assignments is just as important for synchronous classes. Your course will still be in the LMS, even if your class takes place through Zoom. There are a few challenges. Synchronous classes take a lot of organization and preparation. A well-designed synchronous class tends to follow the flipped class model. That basically eliminates lecturing in class. Honestly, lecturing online in a Zoom class is disastrous. You want to record your lectures and upload them as homework. You could do that on a weekly basis. But summer is the time to get that out of the way, especially if you are turning lecture notes into polished PowerPoints with audio. Class time should be spent having the students work with the material. This is the flipped model. It's the humanities equivalent of a lab or studio class where students are doing and learning the entire time. Whatever you want them to be able to do by the end of the semester should be translated into activities and assignments that they practice during the semester. That means organizing the class meeting into activities that specifically address 
your learning objectives. For example, if you want students to be able to compare different objects, issues, or critiques, then you need to write homework and discussion questions that address that. I'd suggest emailing or posting discussion questions ahead of class so students can prepare. That's an inclusive practice. During class, you can put students into Zoom breakout rooms to discuss those questions, then bring them back to report and compare positions. You might want to end with a Zoom poll to see what they think they have learned or where they have changed their minds. You might want to include a one-minute reflection that they post on what they learned that day that was the most compelling or what activity or question helped them understand the material the best. That is great feedback for you as the teacher. Zoom polls are a great low stakes way to help students retrieve information or connect information. And it will give you a good idea of how well your class is doing as a whole. Make the in-class Zoom polls anonymous and you will get honest answers. Not all students are comfortable publicly identifying with their positions. That's another inclusive practice. A synchronous class using Zoom means that you can collaborate with individual students on their work. You can even go to the library or a museum virtually with them. So Parmi, I think we should start talking about hybrid classes because some of us are going to be doing both. I know for a fact that I'll be doing both this semester. So as you know, hybrid classes are a mixture of two or more formats. Some of you may be teaching students who are on campus some of the time, and this is going to happen in a lot of art and design colleges where students are taking studio classes. In my case, there's going to be a mixture of both where most of my stuff will be asynchronous, but I do meet with them once a week for a short discussion, like you said, a lab. What are your thoughts about mixing both of those? Consider a combination of asynchronous and synchronous, especially if you have students in different time zones. For city colleges and city and state schools, this is really important because many students work and are essential employees. Asynchronous allows students to work on their own time while supporting families and themselves. Take advantage of short video and audio instructions and explanations. Don't make everything text-driven. Depending on the size of your class, consider individual student meetings once a semester instead of class that week. They can be as short as 15 minutes, used to review work to date, review drafts for papers, probably more contact than you would have had with them in a face-to-face -face classroom. You might consider having a weekly coffee clutch with students, an open event where everyone is welcome. It can be used to discuss coursework or anything related to art and their majors. You may want to hold open office hours 15 minutes before or after class. It creates a feeling of community. So Mary Frances and I have given you a lot of information. We have just a few closing comments. First of all, I know this is a repeat, but it's important. Start preparation now while you aren't teaching. At least record lectures and PowerPoints and upload them. 
Ideally, you would want weekly homework assignments and discussion questions written, or at least fleshed out. The more you can do now, the easier it will be when the semester starts. Record your lecture notes into audio PowerPoints that can be uploaded into your LMS. Break them down into 15 to 20 minute segments. Longer than that and students can zone out, especially students in intro classes where everything is new. Write a quiz or post a couple of discussion points so that students are interacting with the material. If you are adamantly opposed to disaggregating your lecture into smaller chunks, at least include a break slide in your lecture and link it to a short quiz or a discussion board question. One of the lessons learned from online courses is that students learn better if they are continually retrieving and working with information throughout the course. Cramming for an exam, which is called masked learning, is good for short-term memory. Practicing with the information weekly not only has shown to improve exam scores, but results in longer-term memory of the material. Check out the discussion boards and assignment templates in your LMS. These might not have been as important when you were face-to-face -face teaching, but now they are great resources for student engagement. Quiz templates are terrific because students can practice what you want them to be able to do in midterms and final exams. So also, check in with your students often. They may not have raced to your office hours when you were on campus, but now you're the lifeline. Be sure you have a clear policy on email responses. Typically, it's within 24 hours during the week and 48 hours during the weekend. Now, I like to answer emails daily. Not everybody does. But the important thing is to be clear and consistent with your policy. You will be checking email more often. That is just the new normal. If you find that you get several emails on the same assignment, post a quick announcement or video explaining it, or consider cutting and pasting your clarification into a group email. And I always put a communication policy on my syllabus and in the course information section. That's just good practice. I state that I'll answer emails within 24 hours, Monday through Friday. I also create a discussion board specifically for course questions. I call it the water cooler or around the, the lounge. And students are encouraged to help each other find the information in the syllabus. And this really cuts down emails to you. It creates a feeling of community and it creates a feeling that the students are helping themselves and each other. Now, just a word on YouTube. Many of us use YouTube videos because they do caption the videos, they, they do do the closed captioning. Keep in mind that YouTube is blocked in China. So you'll need to work around that for your international students there. Check with your instructional designer for help. And it's possible to record them in Zoom and upload them to your LMS. And I cannot stress this enough. Be positive and enthusiastic. Your students are gonna respond to that. There's a lot of research demonstrating that online pedagogy is extremely successful for student learning. 
This is not about content. It's about getting your students involved in that content as much as possible. And as what we're doing here, share what works and doesn't work with your colleagues. No one should have to reinvent the wheel and we all need to help each other. Art History Teaching Resources is dedicating the next six months to online pedagogy. So check that out and post your questions on the Art History Teaching Resources Facebook page. You might wanna start a department blog, Online Pedagogy Cuts Across Disciplines. And personally, my personal advice to you is be patient with yourself and your students. We have a misconception that our students are raised digitally and easily navigate uh, digital formats. LMS systems are just as foreign and complicated to them as they are to you. Learn together and always seek their feedback. And on a positive note, I began teaching online when I moved from Los Angeles to North Carolina. I learned a lot from online teaching and I know I'm a better teacher because of that. Mary Frances and I hope that you will all have that same experience. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck.